I'm Chris Freeman. And I'm Brian Welch. I'm Clint Yeager. And, and we, we are, are KCDC. <laughs> and you're listening to You're Watching. Brutally Delicious. I'm Bruce. That's my partner, Chris. Hello. Hello. Oh, man. Hello. This, this backdrop is funny as fuck. Oh, sorry, pardon my language. <laughs> at, fir at, first, at first, I thought, oh, man, that looks kind of a weird angle. And then I see you moving the phone and the background doesn't move. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a green screen here. So basically, this is our rehearsal room. I'll just point it out. There's oh. the drum kit. And then we record our videos right here on this green screen. So I just put the uh, the little uh, photo that um, Glenn took of the aftermath of one of our shows. Nice. I imagine the aftermath at your shows is pretty insane. Yes. yes. I imagine we, people get like crazy. We always have to apologize to the clubs right after the show. We're like, we're so sorry. <laughs> I'm sure Apologize. they're going to start charging us a janitorial fee at some point. <laughs> yeah, keep an envelope with that with that with a tip for the clean person on the stage. <laughs> what what would a pro what would an appropriate tip for the janitorial service be? One million dollars. <laughs> hey, some of the stuff they have to pick up. I I don't know. I wouldn't want to pick it up. Uh, I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> I, I, I want to. I do. I want to know. The tip would be. Don't come to work that night. Use uh, lube is one thing I think that uh, is uh. a particularly icky thing. <laughs> yeah, use lube. I don't know. That's not. Uh -uh, that's not up there. <laughs> so I hope you don't mind, but I think this this interview is going. We're going to take a different approach. We're going to talk about Gacy DC for sure. But sometimes we like to have fun when we get the right people. And I've got a lot of interesting questions for you. I think Chris okay. agree this will be a good one. So, Chris, Great. if you want to start off, I'll finish it up with some. No, uh, you you go, man. You go. <laughs> I, I I can't stop laughing right now because it's just like this band is so fucking awesome. I, I agree. And I love I love the fact that you don't take yourself so seriously. You know what I mean? Like it's like you're just out to have a good time and provide a good time, which um, I think is needed in the. I mean, all kidding aside, I think that's needed in the last uh, whatever two or three years of shit we've been living through, right? Fully totally. agreed. And for us, the shows are cathartic because we're putting everything into it. So, I mean, what, why do it if you're not going to? So, um, you know, because I've seen bands where they just get up there and they couldn't be bothered. I'm like, why are you up there? And we're just like sweating and falling over and, you know, putting everything we can into it. And, you know, it's, it's cathartic. Like I say, it's cathartic for us too. This is great. Like I was watching the videos as I was preparing for this. I was trying to read the bio, but I couldn't take my eyes off the videos. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kept watching the videos and I was just like, <laughs> I was just like, where can I see this band? Cause I have to see this band. I got to take my wife to see this band. You know, um, do you guys get a lot of flack from, from the straight world about what you're doing? No. Not really. I mean, at first, I think people, especially in L.A., because L.A. is a 
one of those kind of places, you really? know, like show me. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain scene in, in LA uh, where people who are real fans, they just want to go and see stuff. But, you know, like at the whiskey, when we play the whiskey, that was one of the hardest uh, crowds to turn over because, you know, they were, you know, you've got people like the bass player from Quiet Riot. You've got, you know, the guitar player from Sweet. You've got, you know, all these heavy hitters that are all, you know, just sort of hanging out in L.A. And um, they, you know, they they see us play and they're like, yeah, you know, look at you. You're all dressed up like crazy. You know, we're wearing all of our fur and feathers and stuff. <laughs> and then we got up there and we actually just nailed it, you know, like played our guts out. And they just went, OK, now we understand and we love you guys. So, you know, it's just like the, as soon as people see us, then all the uh, doubts fall away. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it strange that you say L.A. is kind of an uptight place, you know, like from the outside world, L.A. is like L.A. and San Francisco are like these liberal havens where everything, anything goes, you know, I don't see. Well, I guess I, maybe I misrepresented. It wasn't that they're uptight. It's that they're like, show me. It, oh, gotcha. Everybody's a shredder. Everybody here is, you know, in the music business. So they're like, yeah, you're all dressed up. So show me what you got. You know, I don't care how you're dressed. You got to be able to deliver. So I think it's more in that realm. Gotcha. I don't think the gay angle, I think the gay angle was just the spectacle because we walked in with full regalia. <laughs> and then and our first time we played there and then they then they turned around but i think most people accept us like you know as far as being gay they don't have any problems i think it is a fairly liberal town that way that's cool um, that's cool but it was just it was just that you know like oh another band walking in with you know feathers and craziness you know yeah. chris talks about this la sort of being the the hub of bands but it's also kind of the hub of cover bands and tribute bands because you know guys in major bands as a side project that for fun they'll do a cover band so when we started we were like well you know we were in previously chris and i were in a band called the gay gays which was an all-gay tribute to the go-go's and when that ended chris and the guitarist and myself were like well we want to still keep playing you know we have so much fun doing this what what else can we do and carl the guitarist did the riff for um back in black and we all at the same time were like oh my god that could be it and carl's like gay cdc and as i was mentioning before that's when we were like there's no way this doesn't already exist. But when we when we finally realized it didn't, we said, well, what's going to make us stand out? Because there's so many ACDC cover bands, especially here in LA, but all around the world. I mean, talk about a band to pick to cover that you know you kind of want to stand out. So that's where it all stems from. We decided we don't want to look like them. We don't want to um, necessarily have the same personas, but we want to do the music spot on. But there's also a message behind it. Um, and that kind of all kind of happened within the first maybe two weeks of us talking about it and deciding what it was going to be. And, and, and Chris was like, we've got to stand out because this is the town. You can't just you can't phone it in here, you know, and if we're good here, we can be good anywhere. Gotcha. I, I really had no idea that L.A. was a, a hub for cover bands. I always thought that was like Vegas, like. You see a lot of like 80s rockers from the LA scene in Vegas now doing all the cover band circuit. Right. They're from here and then they go to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in LA that's ever been in a band, you know, sort of like figured out, oh, I could actually get paid doing this and somebody will actually show up to my show if I'm playing covers. People are tired of playing to their 11 friends. <laughs> yeah. So that leads me to, oh, Hi. go ahead. 
No, I was gonna say, what has been the reaction to like um, ACDC fans or hard rock fans in general? Has has the uh, been pretty accepted? Yeah, you know, when we the first couple shows we did, um, we thought we would be playing sort of all the gay events, all the prides, all the bear events, all like the the gay cruises, and really the crowd that took us you know and embraced us was the straight rock crowd you know the first time we played the viper room we had such a reaction um that they just started to continually book us the viper room then we played the whiskey um and then we were playing all these mainstream venues and and we were getting sort of some of the gay rock crowd because there is a big gay rock crowd but the gay events primarily they love like the djs and 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 the, the dance we don't necessarily go with that crowd but we got embraced by the straight rock crowd and after i think people will come to us with a preconceived notion they're ready to sort of write us off because a bunch of gays in a band doing acdc yeah right let's but after i would say even after the first song when they see steve and clint going at it they're like holy shit and then at the end of the set they realize that our heart is in it that our heart is all about the music and we're having fun and we've changed the lyrics we've changed the lyrics to maybe something we wished we'd heard growing up as gay kids but we, we win them over predominantly after the the the, the statements after you know the people coming up to us after shows all about oh my god you guys absolutely killed it i've seen my fair share of acdc cover bands but you guys holy shit and I think that comes down to we bring something different to the table and we bring something people aren't expecting. And, it's and fun. I think that is that's the band that I'd want to go see. Right. I'd want I always want to go see a band that's going to surprise. me. You know, I, I generally don't like to get serious on this podcast, but I'm going to get serious right now. Whoa, here it comes. But I think the straight rock crowd going to see you guys is maybe one of the best things that can happen. Really, because it opens people's minds and it opens people's like acceptance and understanding because um, like I'll share a story. I grew up in small town Canada. And when I say small town Canada, I mean, but fuck small Canada. <laughs> and, uh, and when I moved to Vancouver, um, I was waiting tables. And one of the guys that was there, he was a gay guy and I'd never I mean, obviously I knew them, but I didn't know. I'd never met someone who was gay. And he's like, we got along fine. He's like, come to, come to a party. And I was like, sure. I went, I never had so much fun in my life. And it, it really changed my upbringing, like the way I was taught about stuff growing up. And then I realized, well, what else was fucked up that I was taught? You know what I mean? And it really transformed my life. And I think that's what you guys do when you go play. If the, I don't know if that's wrong or not, you can correct me, but I kind of think that's, you're, you're I, I, changing I, people's I, minds really valid and it's funny because uh we we had a couple of go-go dancers at, at our last show and we don't normally have that and it was uh two gay guy friends of mine and uh they sort of live in sort of you know uh you know the gay sort of subculture bubble and don't really veer out of it that much or whatever and one of them like said something to me like a couple days after and i thought it was really cool and interesting he was like you're doing really important work and i'm like what do you mean and he's like you're taking sort of like you know gay 
everything, you know, a gay explosion and you're taking it into straight spaces. You know what I mean? He's like, that's really brave, actually. He's like, it's super easy to sort of like, you know, wallow around in sort of like your own sort of subculture bubble, but like taking it out into the world and like, you know, presenting it for other people to sort of like examine and dissect and pick apart and, and love or not love is is like kind of, you know, revolutionary. So I thought that was pretty cool. It is very cool. Like, like I like I thought this was just all going to be fun. But the more we talk, the more I realize the work that you're doing is that important, really. Because we don't take for, for, for granted what what we do. Um, I remember the night that we played the Viper Room and right when we got off stage, um, all the texts were coming through about the Pulse shooting in Orlando. And we were on such a high because it was such an amazing show and the crowd was amazing. We had them in our hands and we got off the stage and saw that. And we were just, we felt defeated because we were like, shit, what, what, what has to happen here? So this doesn't happen. And we, that's when we decided we need to keep doing this because we need to be out there in these spaces in in people's faces. And there was also another show I think it was also at the Viper Room where um, it was a pride show. And right, I think right after we played or during our set, um, the police found a guy asleep in his car with all this ammunition and explosives. And he was there sleeping in his car because he was going to the pride show the next day, the pride parade. And they, it was like three blocks away from where we were playing. And that's when I realized, holy shit. Our name is on the marquee, Gay CDC. We are right there. We, I mean, if we wanted to hide it, we can't because this is our name. This is what we do. So we can joke around. We can change the lyrics to the songs. We can have all the stuff during the show that's really funny and the crowd's laughing. But what I think is the most important is those people are going home. And we hope that there's a seed planted, that they had a fun time and they laughed and maybe if there's maybe some homophobia there, maybe it's a little lessened. Maybe it's gone completely. Maybe they've had the the Chris like you, the the revelation that oh my god, we had so much fun. Maybe that's all it takes. But yeah. every show, if we can maybe change someone's frame of mind, then everything that we do is has been worth it. I should correct myself. I shouldn't say that I thought it was so much fun. I just realized that everything I was taught about it was wrong. Do you know? Even even more so. Even better. Yeah. To and your point, Brian, do you feel a sense of responsibility then uh, to carry well, the message? I, I didn't when we first started the band, but I do now. But I'll let Chris speak because he is also in a band called Pansy Division, who were one of the very, very first out gay punk bands to break down the doors. And, and basically, gay CDC wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Pansy Division. Well, I wouldn't be in both bands. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I think that as long as there are places in the world where people are being tortured or thrown off of buildings or uh, that, you know, for being gay, I think there's a reason for us to exist. Um, I think the best part is when we get people to laugh, because I think that was one of the things we realized um, uh, in Pansy Division. Um, I don't know if you know, but we, we did a tour with Green Day. We were on their Dookie tour, which is their first major label album, we were the opening act for their tour. And um, by design, they really wanted to mess with their audience. Uh, and um, it was it was a 
a very um, hard lesson to learn in how how homophobic America really is. Um, but what we realized is if you use humor and get people to laugh, then something drops in in them and the the opening is there to come in. So um, so that's an, another reason why we use uh, humor in in gay CDC as well. Um, and I just think it's more fun. I, I like I like gloom and doom rock. I, I like it when it gets really down. But I think that's you know I don't want to play that because that's not me. I'm more of I like I like to have fun. I like to laugh, and so I want to project that out. Um, and as long as it disarms people and they start having a good time after that, then great. Yes. Awesome. Chris. Uh, no, you can go ahead, Bruce. I'm, I, I'm just taking it all in because <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious because like it, it brought me back to that, that moment in time, you know, and, and I think one of the biggest problems that I see a lot of the time is people never want to admit they were wrong or they never want to admit that they had prejudice or they never want to admit that they can grow. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's important when people can stamp that time where they say, you know what, before this, I was a fucking idiot, but uh, going forward, I'm not going to be anymore, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay to acknowledge that because it, it allows other people to say, you know what, I should change my mind or I, maybe I should learn about what's right or wrong here and not just listen to what the church told me or what the, my parents told me or whatever, do you know? The root of all evil, church. Thank you. <laughs> so, Literally, that's where evil came from, is the church. <laughs> you're not yeah, going to get an argument from me on that. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and just put it out there. I was brought up, and don't hate me for this, but evangelical until I was, until I was you know, old enough to realize, boy, this is not... And so, you know, all those shit that's in me still, I mean, I'm 50 years old and I still struggle with like these weird things that pop in. And I now call myself like a recovering Christian because I've been fucked up by a lot of those things that were ingrained in my head, as Chris said. And as you know, you guys mentioned that hard to expel. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's it was like hard to expel it in me. I mean, I grew up with very Christian values and I could not grap grapple with it, but most people most people seem to realize that I was gay before I did. I didn't really know. I, I thought I was different, but it didn't really tie into me and uh, where it was coming from, or that I was actually gay until I had my first sexual experience with a man. But um, you know, I fought with that just like you fight with it. You know, how can you justify it? Well, I, I had to go through that inside. Like, well, how am I, how am I this when I'm this? Um, uh, you know, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I, you know, I've been to churches and speaking in tongues, you know, and yeah, having, so that's the way I grew up, right? Oh yeah, totally, totally. But I had to realize that that's all bullshit. I mean, I've had those, I've had those moments on acid, you know, or whatever. You just you talk yourself into these things, right. and then you know. But it's all it's all crap. All of that was crap uh, because there's nothing like being kicked out of your church to let you know what Christianity really means. Right. No, and I, I was kicked out of my church. I was a Sunday school teacher, and they were like, 
right? <laughs> when they found out, they were like, oh, no, you're staying away from us. Right. That's so, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit, but also darken it. You need to tour Florida, like, nonstop. <laughs> you know, even in Pansy Division, we, we hated going to Florida. It is the worst um, they could just knock that state right off and let it spin out into the Atlantic. I don't care. Um, <laughs> just, it's just so wrong. Um, but yeah, you're, you're correct. We, it would be fun to go and, and play there, but they, even with humor, they didn't get it in Florida. They were a tough nut for sure. Interesting. I just, I just see what's going on there right now and I'm just fucking disgusted. I'm sorry. Oh, it just, yeah. fuck. I talk to my wife about it every day. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this? Like, why are these people so hateful? Yeah. What's the deal? Like, yeah, anyway. it's control. You know, it's control of people. And, and um, we are outliers in the worst way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worse because I know their tricks. You know, I can, I can show, I can, quote chapter and verse on the bible with the best of them you know but you know i always went with well you know jesus was gay and they're like and i'm like i'll make you fishers of men you know so i mean you know he hung out with he hung out with prostitutes and 12 other guys you do the math i mean you know he's 33 with no girlfriend okay was it really just the last supper i don't know <laughs> it was the last brunch <laughs> hey so i just got the warning that we've got 10 minutes left can i shift gears and make this a little fun yeah 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 you mind just some off the wall bullshit questions oh right ahead absolutely what set of items could you buy that would make the cashier at any of your local stores the most uncomfortable <laughs> <laughs> I'm making myself uncomfortable just thinking of the list. <laughs> At the uh, which store? Let's go with that. Yeah, Chris, pick a store. I'll start. I was in Miami, and I had just come off a bender on a cruise, and I had my arm all covered in Jiffy marker. And I went into the store, and somebody told me, "Oh, you have to buy baby oil for to to wipe it off." So I was buying the baby oil, and the guy was with me. He goes. We'll take the condoms too, thanks. And he put it down. <laughs> Let's go Walmart. They have everything. Walmart. Well, you know, it's always fun buying fleet enemas. I'll tell you, no matter what you're in uh, that into, that's 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 a hard one. Um. <laughs> I think Crisco and rubber gloves. <laughs> oh, shit. That's the context. You have, if, if you buy just Crisco or just rubber gloves, great. But if you right. buy them together. together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Clint. I went to the, see, I tear up Bibles at our, at our shows um, in both bands, Pansy Division and Gay CDC. I found a way to work it in. Um, so what I love to do is go to the 99 cent store and buy like 10 for a dollar because they sell the bible at the 99 cent store here so it's lovely because one time I, I i bought a stack of them and um the the um the cashier said oh, you're doing the lord's work and I'm, oh yes i am <laughs> the only new <laughs> <laughs> 10 bibles 10 lighters please thanks <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, you ready? Here's the next one. What's the creepiest thing you could say to somebody walking by him in the crosswalk? The creepiest thing? Wow, I got to get in that mindset. Let's see. Um, I don't even know what I would say. Um, creepiest. The creepiest. All right, so, if you don't like that one, I could skip it. I'm gonna, uh, point it's hard for me to get creepy without going, wait a minute, is that creepy? Let's not get creepy. Cool? Hey, yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'd say right. because of the shape. That's all. I'm gonna I'm gonna call BS and disagree with you here for a second. Isn't isn't the definition of a sandwich like something between two pieces of bread? In this case, a wiener. Isn't a hot dog bun just one piece of bread split in half? Ah, but we had someone correct us on that because the pe the thing that holds the hot dog together is called the hot dog hymen, apparently. That's what they call it. So. so <laughs> If that comes apart, does the hot dog become a sandwich? I'm going to say yes, it's a sandwich. Yeah, I'm going with Brian. It has to be, I think. Yeah. I think it's a sandwich and a dinner partner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which I got to start up the grill. Hey, Anyways. lastly, we're going to go an easy one here. Is cereal a soup? <laughs> wow. It's gazpacho. Uh, wow. I think after 30 minutes, yes. Before that, no. <laughs> okay, I don't I know. I mean, if you have that corn tortilla soup and you put the tortillas in, you know, the shreds, shredded pieces of it and you eat it fast, you get the crunch in it. If you let it, I don't know. Wow. I would never even have thought of that. Is that, where did that question come from? That's amazing. He cheats. I, I've got a, I've got a list we've been putting together for the three years we've been doing this. I mean, there's, I'm looking at this, 40 of them. Sometimes we do nothing but ask these questions. So we just kind of, but a lot of people are, you know, don't have a sense of humor. So you got to. I remember the first time we tried it. I can't remember who it was, but they just looked at us and they're like, what the fuck are you, you doing? <laughs> yeah, we're not answering this. <laughs> no, I love um, that. That's, that's yeah. I'm going to, I'll go with yes on that. I, I'm going to be with you hundred percent there as well. So where are you guys playing next? Uh, we're playing next weekend, um, or this weekend now, um, at uh, in Santa Cruz at a place called Urbani Cellars. I've never heard of it. Um, and then, um, then we're doing a Portland, Sacramento, San Diego run in uh, in three weeks. Awesome, cool. I love Oregon, man. Portland is such a beautiful city. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes, it sure is. Yeah. So, and and uh, you're in Vancouver, Chris? No, I I now live in Washington D.C. Okay, but I lived in Van I lived in I lived in <laughs> I lived in Vancouver for decades. I I moved here. My wife my wife's company transferred her here, and I'm an audio engineer, so I just go wherever. Great. And yeah. I'm in Richmond, Virginia. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is. Uh, we'll try to play there, but where would we play if we played in Richmond, Virginia? Yeah. <laughs> but we are totally. I think. Uh, I think Black Cat isn't the Black Cat still in Washington? Uh, I think so. There's like the 9:30 Club. Yeah, we were supposed to play where... the Black Cat. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I moved here right before the pandemic, so I don't really know what's open or what's not. Right. <laughs> all all right. I know is like the shows I go to. So like I saw I saw a priest two weeks ago. Holy shit. <laughs> Halford yeah. is in his seventies and he's singing like he's in his twenties. The guy can barely walk across the stage, but his voice is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we are going to try to get to Washington. It's on the in 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 our list of places we want to get to. We were going to try and get there in September. I don't think that's going to happen now. So I think maybe around a year from now or so we'll get to Washington. Well, please keep us yeah. in the loop because I I I have I'm telling my wife we're going regardless. <laughs> because <laughs> like, this is just it, like, it might be it might be baltimore do you get down to baltimore it's not that far I, it's only about an hour and a half i could do that i could do that too yeah you could get to baltimore too okay easily okay yeah. good yeah we'd love to play baltimore we haven't played yet awesome yeah, yeah. no we are totally we've got a minute 42 left in this um on the zoom thank you so much i hope that wasn't too bad i know we were all over the place but my apologies for having internet issues and then my computer crash. You can see my name, Ralph Buck. That's my husband's name. I'm using his computer. Nice. Chris, you got yeah, we, had a, we had a great time and we had a great time doing the video. And yeah, really I'll appreciate you a, it. That's going to go up. I've got a, a list. I'll send you an email or a message on Facebook when it, I have it already scheduled sometime in June. And thanks great. for doing such killer work out there, guys. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you both very much. Be well, my friend. I really appreciate yeah. it. Ciao. Right. See ya. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.